The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. It's time to blow the trumpet in Zion. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel with Pastor Ray Greenlee. We live in a trivial world of distractions, of eye gadgets. And as a Christian, I just don't fit into this culture. As a Christian, I don't fit into this society. I don't do small talk. Now, the struggle is that the sun is setting and time is slipping away from us. Jesus is about to come and call us home. And so for me, it's a time of great seriousness. It's a time of self-examination. It's a time of service. It's a time of, of coming to terms with the reality that this world is not my home. I love America, but America is not my home. Heaven is my home. And so in the midst of all of these distractions and these eye gadgets and the entertainment of our day, it's very easy to be drawn aside. And then there's the total misunderstanding of what the gospel is, even among those that we would consider seasoned Christians. I met with a group of men yesterday, Christian men, from a church other than the National Prayer Chapel. We had dinner together. And in the process of having dinner together, they told me that they were studying on Saturday mornings the Book of Romans. I was curious, and so I asked one of the key leaders of this men's group, how would you define the word justification, dikasune in the Greek. And he immediately gave an answer with an open face. He said, it means just as if I had never sinned. Just as if I'd never sinned. His answer was very troubling to me because, well, that answer allows all kind of room for darkness to enter into a church or into a person's life. What do I mean? Well, his definition, as he explained it, means Jesus looks at me as though I'd never sinned. Well, he's right and he's wrong. Let me share with you how. Well, the word justification literally means in the Old English to make righteous. 
the word dikasune in the Greek means to be, how should I put it? To be rendered righteous. Rendered righteous. That's the literal meaning of the word dikasune from which we have in the scripture, in the book of Romans, the word justification. Now, we have traditionally, after the Reformation, understood that justification meant that our past sins were all forgiven. That Jesus cast them into the depths of the sea. And in that sense, my brother was absolutely correct in saying, it is as if I had never sinned. Why? Because I have been cleansed of the guilt of all of my past. It has been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ, and I am clean. But that's only half of the meaning of the word justification. The other half, and equally important, is the understanding that now, by the blood of Jesus Christ, the bondage of sin has been broken from my life, and I am released and no longer held captive by Satan, so that I now walk in righteousness. I walk in innocence. Dikesune can also mean innocence. So now, if I were to ask you the question, what does Paul mean in the book of Romans when he uses the word justification? The correct answer would be it means just as if I'd never sinned. I am, I am totally cleansed. I am forgiven. I am washed. I am clean before God. But then you would be incomplete if you did not continue that answer and say, it also means that I have been rendered righteous. I have been taken through a process of Jesus Christ coming and cutting the sin out of my life. I've been circumcised by the hands of Jesus. I have been transformed. I am now a new creature in Christ Jesus. The old is no longer here. The new has come. I'm not going to go out and sin as I did before I came to Jesus Christ. I am washed and I am clean. But I'm also made righteous. Now in this day of trivia... We don't like to go very deeply into anything. We want to skim it. We have very short attention spans. It's unusual for someone to desire to listen to this broadcast for a full hour because our attention span doesn't stretch that far. We're used to going and looking at a web page and and we might be there for two minutes, three minutes, and then we're gone to the next page. You'll never find Jesus Christ that way. It takes time to be justified. 
It takes time to be transformed and made holy. It is a supernatural work of God that he does in our hearts and in our lives, but it does take time. There's no shortcut on being made righteous. It takes time. You can't get up in the morning and open your Bible or open your little devotional book and read a few paragraphs, say a quick prayer, and be on your way to spend your life trying to earn money to pay your bills and maintain your lifestyle. You'll never find Jesus that way. Or you can be very religious that way. But you'll never be a Christ follower that way. It requires much more, much more, much more, much more than that. And so we turn once more to the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. By faith, Abraham obeyed. That word obeyed means he remained under the hearing. Under the hearing of what? Of faith? No. He remained under the hearing of the rhema word of God. Now, some of you did not catch the definition of rhema. Rhema is God-breathed. It is the quickened word of God by the Holy Spirit to your heart as it commands you in the way you should go. Rhema is by definition a revelation of divine will regarding your life and your behavior. It will require you to cooperate. It will require courage and sacrifice on your part. It is a call to a task or to a duty or a mission to be carried out. A rhema is a call of God to put something in harmony with his will or in harmony with his purpose in the earth. So it sets a man up, it sets a woman up, it sets a boy or a girl up against the age in which we live. This we refer to as spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is nothing more than simply my choosing to be on God's side and to do what God tells me to do by his spirit as I'm instructed by the word. Now, this is taking so much time in this study because most of you who listen to this broadcast have simply adopted the word of God into your already full worldly life. And so you live in the trivial world of distractions and eye gadgets and entertainment and work and family. And you try to take Jesus with you along on that journey. Frankly, Jesus is not interested in going with you on that journey. Jesus is not interested in your taking him with you. Jesus rather wants to take you 
with him. I was taught in college, uh, Bible college. I was taught that Jesus wants to be the co-pilot of your life. And that he wants you to listen to him as he directs you. That was not quite right. Jesus wants to be the pilot of your life. And he wants you to trust him to take you where he wants to take you. And to accomplish what he wants to accomplish with your time and your energy and your life. But let's be honest, many of you today who listen to this broadcast are totally absorbed in your own agenda. You're totally absorbed by your own responsibilities and by your struggle to earn enough money just to pay your bills, to cover your lifestyle. And so for me to suggest that you must hear the rhema word of God and begin to act according to that word in your life. Because he wants to accomplish something in your life. Sounds terrifying, because it might require a move. It might require a job change. It might require a whole change of the way you do your day, your time. It will certainly require that you lay aside your alcohol and your drugs and your fornication and your lying and your cheating and your stealing. It will certainly require that you lay aside your anger with your wife, or with your children, or with your husband. It will require you to deal with the rage that builds in your heart when things don't go your way. You're going to have to come to terms with this. And frankly, most of us have had to come to terms time after time after time with the disappointment of our heart when things don't go our way because Jesus wants to take us his way. Oh, this is not easy. This is not easy. You see, Jesus has a very specific plan for you and for your life. And no doubt, most of you are way off course from where God wants you to be. And if you're going to come into that rhema word that God wants to speak into your heart, you're going to have to be willing to listen and to hear and to obey. That great personal sacrifice. Abraham had to leave Ur, very sophisticated city where he was in a circle of business associates and friends a livelihood that he could feel good about, living in a, a house with a foundation under it. 
He had to go to a land he did not know where he was going, and he had to go and live in tents. He even had to offer his son. And at the last moment, the hand of God stopped him. It was a test of God to see whether Abraham would actually obey the Lord God of heaven. Don't think that God is not going to test you similarly. Oh, he won't ask you to offer your son or your daughter as a sacrifice. He'll just say, go here, go there, change your job, move. He'll speak to you very specifically about what he wants you to do. And you may not be happy about what he tells you. Abraham was not happy about taking Isaac to the mountain to sacrifice him. But because he was willing to do what God commanded him, what God gave to him in that rhema word. Then God said, finally, I know that you will obey me. And all of the promises that I've made to you will come to pass. I find it interesting that one man will pray for a job, a new job, a new position. Or he'll pray for, for finances. Or he'll pray for the car or the health. Always God will delay in his answers as a, as a normal. He will always say, wait on me. The waiting is not because God needs the time. The waiting is because God needs to see whether or not you'll stand. See, God is a spirit and he calls us to worship him in spirit and in truth. We live in the physical realm and God's calling us into the spirit realm. So it means waiting because it's in the waiting where we have to cry out to God. I have one specific area of, of need in my life. And the Lord simply said, pray. And so I set apart one hour a day just to pray for this issue. And God has not yet brought into the physical realm what I'm asking him for. He's told me when he will. He gave me the date when he would answer my prayer. It's yet about a month and a half away. Well, why would God do that? Because he wants to know if I will obey him. If I will trust him. Now we find in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning coming things. By faith, Jacob, while dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, 
Joseph, when he was coming to an end of his life, made mention concerning the exodus of the sons of Israel. He knew they were going to be taken up out of Egypt. And he wanted his bones to go along with them. And then by faith, Moses, this is verse 23, by faith, Moses, having been Born was hid three months by his parents because they saw the child as acceptable to God or marked by God. Now, you know that Moses was born during a time when the baby boys were being cast into the Nile River where the crocodiles would eat them because Pharaoh was frightened of the growing population of young men among the children of Israel. So this child is born, and instead of casting him into the crocodiles, they hid him. Now that was a great personal risk, for if they were found, their whole family would be cast into the river and fed to the crocodiles. But they were not afraid of the king's command. Why? Because there was a rhema word of God. This was a special child. God wanted to accomplish something. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, having become full grown, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, you understand, again, in review, Faith always has a rhema at its base. Rhema is the revelation of God regarding what he wants to accomplish. And he wants to do it through you. So by faith in that rhema word of God that came to Moses when he was full grown, He disinherited himself from the Egyptian royal family, the place of great pleasure and great wealth, a place of extreme power, of culture, of education, of advancement, of worldly success. He totally estranged himself, disowned himself. He chose instead to suffer with the people of God, than to have the enjoyment of sin for a season. In other words, a rhema word of God came to Moses, revealing to Moses what his mission was and and the spiritual reality that the treasures of Egypt could not begin to measure up to the treasures of the New Jerusalem, the celestial city that, that Bunyan was writing about Christian making his way toward on that straight and narrow highway. And so by faith, he left Egypt. Now, none of these men and women did it all right. Moses had gotten the word somehow that he was to be the deliverer. And so at great personal risk, he killed an Egyptian. He tried in his flesh to become the deliverer because he knew that was what he was supposed to do. He was unsuccessful. 
And so now, at the rhema word of God, he leaves Egypt. He didn't fear the king. He endured leaving Egypt and going to become a shepherd of sheep he did not own, never owning anything, but just caring for the next 40 years for another man's sheep. How did he do that? Because he could see the unseen. He could see the unseen. Now let's be clear, my brother, my sister. You will never see the unseen until you receive the rhema word of God concerning what he wants you to do and be. And you have fully dealt with a root of anger and bitterness. Now what happens with this anger and bitterness? It turns into accusation And it turns into being bitter, usually with a husband or a wife, and making all kinds of accusations against the other partner, and a treating of the family harshly. Somehow that root of bitterness finds root in the soul of a man or a woman or a child. It found its way into my heart as a child when my father would severely whip me. I became so enraged as a child at his punishments that I carried that bitterness into adulthood. And there came a time during my high school years as a young adult where that bitterness flowed out in fighting with other young men, boxing, wrestling, trying to hurt, and often accomplishing that task. Until I became so overwhelmed with the word of God to my heart regarding what my future was to be, that I knew I either had to give up my root of bitterness Or I could not follow the rhema word of God that he'd spoken to me. And I humbly, at the prompting of the Holy Spirit, asked Jesus to come in and remove that deep root of bitterness in my heart. And he set me free. Very seldom since that day have I ever become truly angry. And yet I must confess to you, there have been times on this journey when I have cried out against what God has done and what he is calling me to because it has been extremely painful many times in my life. But I rejoice that when the Lord took my precious wife, Jan, no bitterness or anger rose up in my heart. 
the Lord carried me. He spoke comforting words to my heart. We'd always said Jesus stands between us. So anything that I would say to my wife had to be passed through Jesus because Jesus stood between us and he had to have the final approval on whether that would be said or not. And so Jesus had first right to my wife. And he chose to exercise that first right and take her home. How was I to be angry about that? Brokenhearted? Yes. Grieving? Yes. Angry? No. Instead, I lifted up my hands in worship and praise and said, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that has been my experience now for six years. I praise God that he's done that work in my heart. I find now that he has placed in my heart a gentle iron, a rod of iron in my back. So that now there are times when I am fearful at what he tells me to do, but I am going to do it. And I am going to trust him. And I'm not going to be angry about it. I'm going to rejoice and be glad. Because I see into the unseen. I have his word of promise regarding what he's going to do and what he's going to accomplish. So Moses chose to suffer with the people of God rather to enjoy the the sin for a season. He considered the reproach of people as less important than the reward of walking with the Lord God of heaven. And so by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, but going out into the wilderness, the wilderness of Moab. And there the Lord gave him a place to hide and be a shepherd for the next 40 years. When he was finally sent back to Egypt, he had been utterly humbled to the point he said, I don't even know how to talk anymore. He'd spent too many years with just the sheep. By faith, he kept the Passover, it says in verse 28 of Hebrews 11. By faith, he kept the Passover. That is, by faith, he kept the Pesach. Passover means the wing of God. By faith, he kept the Pesach, the wing of God, the Passover, and the sprinkling of the blood so that the one destroying the firstborn may not touch them. 
So now it's gone beyond Moses. It's now a whole people that he's caring for and bringing a whole people to the place where he has lived for 40 years under the wing of God. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. Which attempt the Egyptians, having made, were drowned. Mr. Producer, are you there? Do you have that song? We've come this far by faith. We played it yesterday. Let's let's play that song. I I love this song and it I just want you to hear it again today. you come by faith. Let's face the reality. The the sun is setting on America and on the world. Time is slipping away. The judgment of Jesus is about 
to come. Jesus is about to call us home. Have you obeyed the rhema word that God has spoken into your heart? Or have you been resisting that word because of whatever pain might be associated with doing what he calls you to do? Have you been willing to lay your life down for Jesus Christ and obey what he has spoken to you? Even in the little things. How do you stand today with Jesus? I'm going to open the phone lines. 877-534-0780. If you'd like to call, talk about the rhema word that God is speaking to you and you're struggling with, then call and let's talk about it. If you'd like to be prayed for, I'm here to pray for you. 877-534-0780. The phone lines are wide open. Mr. Producer is there to take your call and put you through to me. 877-534-0780. Now, while I wait for a moment for calls to come, I invite you to send at the command of Jesus, not out of your flesh, at the command of Jesus, to send whatever he calls you to give that this broadcast can stay on the air. Tithes and offerings, whatever he tells you to to send, please obey him. You can, you can write to me at National Prayer Chapel. Three words, National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That address again, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. Our phone number is 877-534-0780. I can't emphasize strongly enough That even in the small things, we begin to listen to the Holy Spirit. And we begin to do exactly what he tells us to do. We give what he tells us to give. We go where he tells us to go. We obey the word of the Holy Spirit as he quickens it in the scriptures, as he speaks to us, as we hear the word of God, we act on it. If you do not act on it, you cause your heart to become calloused. 
you cause your heart to be hardened until finally you no longer hear the voice of God. Many people have said to me, Pastor, I've been a Christian all my life and I've never heard the voice of God. Well, it's hard to hear God when you're not where He is and your heart is in rebellion and you're full of yourself, your pride, your arrogance, your own ambitions, your own desires. There comes a time when every one of us must lay down before the throne of God everything that we are. That's why Romans 12 that I spoke of yesterday talks about laying your life down as a living martyr before God. Then you hear from God and you can test and approve and know what God's will is. Now Hebrews 11 continues. Okay. Alex is on the line. Welcome, Alex. What would you like to share? How are you? Good. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I'm just qu- uh, calling and requesting prayer um, for health issues. And um you talked about a rhema word. And um, that's something uh actually was spoken to me years ago. And... Um, I thought I actually completed it, but evidently there's something uh, else. It, it wasn't me. It was uh, it, it was me. It wasn't the Lord, and um, the Lord has to do it. Yes. And um, I'm just trying to be obedient and trying to discern which way you know to go. And you know the way to discern which way to go is on your knees in the prayer closet crying out to God, asking for very specific direction. We in ourselves don't have the wisdom, Alex, to know which way to go. Right. And always when the Lord tells me to do something, I go back and say, okay, Lord, I'm willing to do it. Now show me how to do it. Show me when to do it. I need your strength to accomplish it. And I wait for that. What happened if you? Uh, what would you say if you uh, you don't get uh, specific uh, directions like that? Then I'm going to wait until he gives it to me, and I'm going to spend whatever time is necessary crying out to him until that very clear word comes to me. When the Lord told me to go on the radio, I had to wait a couple months to be very clear that this was the Lord speaking and he then had to provide the resources. And when I was clear that I was to go on the radio, I went and spoke with the station manager and he said to me, do you have the money? I said, no. He said, well, this is a business, so you're going to have to find the money before we can put you on the air. I said, okay, thank you. And I went home and got on my knees and continued praying until the Lord, in a very unusual manner, sent the first month's radio bill. All of this that I'm saying to you, Alex, is dependent on the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not dependent on my strength or my ability. 
It's dependent on Jesus, but he wants to know, will you take that rhema word and will you pray it through and will you agree with me so that I can bring this to pass in your life? So that you can accomplish in the world my purpose for which I sent that word to you. Yes. Well, let's pray, Alex. I appreciate it. Thank you. Lord, Alex needs you to touch his body. Yes, Lord. Lord, he is sick. He doesn't feel well. And if you do not touch him, he will not long be with us on this earth. And Lord, by his testimony, you have spoken a rhema word to him, and he has not finished that task. And so I'm asking now, Jesus, would you touch him with strength and with healing so that he can finish what you called him to do? Yes, Lord. And Lord, would you give him a clear mind and a clean heart and the fullness of the anointing of the Holy Spirit to bring to pass what you have directed him to do? Yes, Lord. And Lord, would you remove all fear from his heart? And all concern for self, that, Lord, he could walk hand in hand with you and accomplish what you have sent him to accomplish before you take him home. Lord, thank you. I worship and I praise you. Accomplish now in Alex all that you desire. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ray. You're welcome. God bless you, brother. I'll, I'll be doing that just praying on my face um, and seeking the Lord with all my heart. And I just uh, appreciate your ministry. And he will answer. Thank you. Thank God you. bless you. Uh, okay, God bless you. Okay, Our phone number here in studio is 877 534 If you'd like to call, you're welcome to. I'm happy to speak with you and pray with you. We have time for a couple more calls. 877-534-0780. Call quickly. Don't delay. Now, as we come back to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, It says, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which attempt the Egyptians having made were drowned. In other words, when we walk by a rhema word of God, and it creates faith in our heart, and we grasp a hold of that, and we submit and surrender to Jesus, We're going to walk through successfully. We're not going to die in the process. Now, I must confess, many times on this journey when things became very, very difficult and I began to think I'm going to die in this process. I'm going to be homeless. I'm going to starve. I'm going to be left totally alone. This is a foolish course I'm pursuing. It's hopeless. 
I've had to repent of that wickedness and recognize that either I had to repent of it or it would end up turning into bitterness and anger and self-defense and being a victim. You see, we are not victims. We are victors. It doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. We are not victims. We are victors in Jesus Christ. So the question is, will you die endeavoring to do what Jesus has called you to do? No, but if I do, it's all right. It's all right. It says in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, that many did not receive the promises that had been made. They walked their whole life. Pardon, Mr. Producer? Five minutes left in the broadcast. One call, if you'd like, one person can get in. At 877-534-0780. But listen to this. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish with the ones having disobeyed, having received the spies with peace. And what more may I say? Now the time will fail me telling about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, And the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong from weakness, were made strong in battle, turned to flight armies of aliens. Women received their dead by resurrection. But others were tortured, not having accepted the deliverance that they may experience a better resurrection. And others experience trial of, of mocking and scourging and even of fetters and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were tempted to sin. They died by murder with the sword. They wandered about distressed and dressed in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, being afflicted, being tormented, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in uninhabited regions and in mountains and caves and holes in the earth. And all of these, having been confirmed by faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing concerning us, that apart from us they may may, may be made perfect. Now, do you hear what it's saying? These people suffered great anguish and pain and deprivation for the sake of the rhema word that God had spoken to them. They kept their eyes on Jesus. They kept their eyes on the unseen. And they walked by faith. 
and they would not turn back. So yes, we live in a trivial world of of distractions and eye gadgets. And as a Christian, we don't fit into this materialistic society. We don't do the small talk. We don't do the foolishness. We don't do the jesting and the, and the cursing. We don't get drunk. We don't spend our time with the world's entertainment. Why? Because the sun is setting and time is slipping away and Jesus is about to call his people home and we need to be fully engaged obeying the word of God that comes to our hearts. Now let's pray. Lord, I pray for every person who's listened to this broadcast today. I pray that you will quicken the heart of every person with the command you have given them or the command you are now giving them. I ask that you would give them give them ears to hear and hearts to obey, regardless of the personal cost. Lord, thank you. Bless each now with courage and confidence. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. I want you to follow Jesus and to obey his word. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find many sermons and iPassages. Eye you'll find lots of videos. You'll find things that will help you in this journey. God bless you, my friend. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.